This week's installment of Where's My Burrito with me, Christian Torres, and my lovely co-host, Mr. Max McCarty. Hi. Hey, Max. How are you? I'm good. How are you, man? I'm well, sir. Thank you very much. Listen, dude, I have been plagued with the um, the repeated desire to steal a car. Hear me out, though, okay? Because I, I love how you're interrupting me already as if I was about to be like, no, don't. Stop. Hear me out, Max. You yeah, fucking you interrupter. Do you <laughs> uh, no, dude, I, like, I go to like the fucking Wawa to get coffee, and there's always some fucking asshole who has left his car running that's fine okay wait always always dude i'm not kidding what's this is going like, on in wawa's up north it's like a phenomenon man people can't turn their cars off they got to get this good ass coffee or like a weird cheese hoagie i don't know what's up with wawa anyway in, in all my years in florida i've never seen anyone do that either. that's because that's like new wawa you know like old money versus new money like florida's that new wawa sensibility but here this is yeah. We got way more meth heads running around. Yeah. So <laughs> well, it's comparable. Of- it's comparable, man. A couple, a couple of these townships are, are you know, meth capitals. But, um, but no, dude. So every time I go to like Wawa, there's like a car running with the windows down, and that's fine. But always the music has not been turned down. Never being considerate of the other people, right? So it's just blasting. You can hear this shit shaking windows and stuff like that, and it's always running. And so I'm compelled to steal that car. The problem is, but not to really steal it. I just want to take it like and put it across the street and then go. The problem is I'll get prosecuted the same. Like it doesn't change whether I go fucking a mile or a thousand miles. Whether you steal it for five (laughs) minutes or five days. You stole it. So I have uh, your your dream in life is for the owner of that to come out with their cheese hoagie or whatever they're getting. mm -hmm, Be like, hey, where's my car? Yeah, that's it. I want them to be mildly inconvenient. I mean, have you ever had a moment where you like don't remember where you parked and for a second you think you lost your car? I went like one time I was in Brooklyn. I got out of the car for five minutes to show an apartment, came back. And this is when I was just there. So I could have like fucked up the streets, right? Came back to where my car was and it wasn't there. And I spent like fucking 30 minutes circling the block being like, surely I parked it here. I just got towed. But for a minute, I thought that my car got stolen, man. And wasn't that a fucking moment of your life? You're just like, oh my God. (laughs) Your car getting towed is basically getting stolen, right? Legally stolen. That's a fucking racket. Why is that legal? Um, I mean... Can we do something about that? Can we bring up legislation where it'd be like, listen, you can't tow a car. That's legal stealing. And we got to make legal stealing illegal stealing. Or we get into the towing business ourselves. Because if there's one (laughs) business that's not going away other than prostitution, Mm -hmm. it's towing cars. Is that something like was towing big a thousand years years ago? (laughs) 30 years from now, we'll be towing out all the fucking electric vehicles and uh, spaceships and whirly gigs. But there's still, (laughs) you know, we'll have limited space. So we'll need. Towing we'll need those towers, man. Get in on that action. Um, let's. No, certainly. Let's. Uh, the fucking problem, man, is that I I feel like I'm not living my best life. Like I want to be brave. Like I. <sighs> right, and the, it, we're tying this back to you not stealing the car. Yeah. I should. I, yeah. But that's my point. Your best life. Why do we have different like differentials for murder, right? We categorize we categorize and compartmentalize different types of murder, right? This is second degree. This is third degree. Where's like third degree Grand Theft Auto? You know what I mean? Where's petty theft auto? Shit doesn't exist, right? 
Because isn't it like if a car is worth over, if anything is worth over fifteen hundred dollars, it's it's considered grand theft, right? What if you have like a Kelly Blue Book piece of shit jalopy that is worth like thirteen ninety nine? Is it petty grand theft or a petty theft auto? Oh, so so you're saying that if you steal from a poor person, you mm-hmm. should serve less time? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. Because who cares about the poor, Max? No, I'm joking. Republican, <laughs> dude. Speaking of Republicans, listen, dude. I, I was like driving around the other day. They're doing great, aren't they? No, they're they're having a fucking blast. Good, good for them. You know, good for them. <laughs> like they're they, finally having their moment. You know, we had our moment for eight years. God damn it! Um, look at them go. Well, dude, I'll tell you. I looked at them go this weekend, and they're emboldened as fuck because, like, there's this uh, nineteen like seventy eight fucking uh, suburban that's just fucking around Philadelphia, and on it, every inch of it is written in like that. Uh, you know, like when people would tag cars back in high school, they'd like write on the windows and like white paint and shit like that. Every fucking inch of this car is covered and like help Donald Trump drain the swamp and uh, judges can't make laws. Only the Congress can take a constitution course, blah, 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 blah. And they're like, why do liberals leftists hate America and the freedoms we give them? And uh, just all this other shit. No, don't slow down. Keep it going. <laughs> I want someone to come in out of context to that particular part. They're like, the hate that these assholes are spewing, man. Like, it's like a hardcore right-wing podcast. Yeah, man. Really likes The Simpsons also. I'm not uh, that good. Well, that kind of reminds me of a Sasha Cohen's thing. Have you heard of Sasha Cohen's new show? Who is America? Yeah, man. Like, and look, it might... Sasha Cohen is such an acquired taste. Like, I want to throw that out there. I think sometimes he can be incredibly brilliant. I think other times he misses the point and he's annoying as fuck. He's a buffoon, yeah. right? But I, one thing I won't accuse him of is being inarticulate or being like, you know, like he's smart. He he can figure out how to kind of get things out of people performing, mm-hmm. you know? Do you have something to say? You look, you're like, fuck Sasha Baron Cohen, man. That piece no, of shit. no, I was about to say that like Borat was such a cultural sensation that it's almost become like, unpopular to say that you like it yeah like years removed from that like honestly there are parts of that movie i'm not saying the whole movie but there are parts of that movie that are like the funniest shit that i've ever seen like in terms of like how much it made me laugh especially the part where he's staying at a bed and breakfast run by a kindly old jewish couple god damn it man (laughs) that they encourage the roaches so he's just throwing money at them and then they run away uh but see that's the problem man like you couldn't make that movie today (laughs) even under the fucking umbrella of satire but this that's one of the reasons where i'm a little bit excited about this show because i feel like yeah you're right the things that made that such a cultural phenomenon and things that are funny like they're not mean spirited, right? Like if Sasha Sasha Baron Cohen's half or is like half Jewish, I believe. So I'm not saying he has carte blanche to make fun of himself, but if anyone's gonna make fun of themselves, I think it's like you know whatever. But that show or th- that movie wouldn't be made today because of like the climate that we're in, right? Hmm. I'm a little excited because I feel like he might be bringing back that kind of like that energy. Yeah, dude, I hope so. And I've heard that the highs of this new series are fucking great, man. Like. Like this should in a in a in a not bizarro twenty eighteen where Donald Trump is president, okay? Mm. Some of the shit that he gets politicians and elected officials to say would get them kicked out of office. Like it ain't gonna happen now. We live in the Trump Trump times, you know. But it's exciting to know that like he's able to go in there and play such a deep character and still get people to fuck. It's just crazy to me, man. I mean, it's great, but at the same time, like, isn't that the biggest indictment? of all of where we're at as a country that this isn't ending careers like the things that he's getting these people to say because we're living in a post shame era now 
Yeah. And I think that's something that Seppenwall said. It's like, it's this show doesn't work because, uh, or it would work in an era in which shame still existed, but it doesn't anymore. Yeah, I think people have um, been comparing it to Borat. Well, yeah, neither have I. It, it, well, it came out last night, right? So I should watch, we'll watch it right after this. Um, but it's, yeah, it's one of those things where people have been comparing it to Borat, but you know, I say this all the time. You got to put yourself when the pain is still drying, right? So if we're going back to 2004 when Borat was released, we're coming off like I think a tumultuous goddamn election season. It came out like in the fall, right? So right around the George W. Bush re-election, Iraq war, like it was of a moment. Much like Parks and Rec was an Obama era fucking hope and optimism show, like Borat was a response to this like fucking horrible cultural moment that we were going through so i think in a lot of ways that it's comparable that we can do it now but you're right the difference between george w bush is that he would still have some fucking shame you know war criminals sure but he would he would like on camera try to do the right thing but now people people in the way back winds of 2004 or eight or whatever like Mm -hmm. they still had to pretend (laughs) yeah they had they had to respond to something if they were caught in a lie like now they can just be like yeah i lied so what Everyone does it. I mean, you're right. That's the sad part about it, where it's like nothing's going to come of it. Like you may expose some people. And listen, I don't want to rush to judgment, man. Maybe people will fucking lose their mind, and and hopefully people will get in trouble. You know, I've heard a couple things are fucking like so bad, man, that you're going to be shocked to hear them come out of elected people's mouths. So I hope that some kind of backlash comes from it. But if it doesn't, I don't think it makes it um, artistically irrelevant. I just think it it's more damning on who we are like as a society like we're so close to that t2 fucking uh nuke uh, nuclear war it's it's coming man and it's that, it's concerning t2 nuclear war well i always go back to t2 even though it's yeah dude <laughs> yeah man i want my face to melt off like fucking uh the ark of the covenant like that might be my favorite practical effect ever maybe it's not practical you, obviously you want you want your face to just turn into liquid I mean, is that did that not haunt your dreams when you were a kid? Like the first time you saw that, that was amazing, dude. Um, I remember watching that through my fingers because I was like four. Because <laughs> your dad was like, "Don't look at it." <laughs> you were like, "All right." <laughs> no, my dad was an asshole. He was like, "Look at it, son." <laughs> your face would have. What if he like had been sitting with you one one beautiful Saturday morning? You're watching Indiana Jones, and he encourages you to look at it. He's looked at it a thousand times. His face has never melted. What's gonna happen to him? Uh, then your face fucking melts off. Like, how's he going to feel at that point? Your mom comes home from grocery shopping and you're you sitting there as a skeleton. To <laughs> at the very least. All right, what happened was, I don't Just know how he explains his way out of that. And she's Lucille Ball for some reason. And she's like, <laughs> Dan. He's like, I'm sorry. Your mom kind of is Lucille Ball to me. And maybe that's because I know that your mom has like a ridiculous love for I Love Lucy. Not ridiculous. It's, it's great. It's wonderful. Yeah, she I'm, has a standard love for it. Like, yeah, yeah, for, for sure. She does love it, you know. Um, but I've always kind of uh, associated your mom with Lucy for some reason. I don't know. Does your mom get into misadventures? Does she break shit all the time? Honestly, no. She's, no, she's, she's, a, she's led a pretty quiet, uh, humble it is life. the most boring version of I Love Lucy ever. <laughs> no conflict, <laughs> no Latin flavor. Yeah, she Jesus. never once uh, married an outrageous Latin man who was fed up with her hijinks. So, <laughs> you know, your mom once tried to, uh, <laughs> this is so cute of your mom. Your mom once tried to make me proud of being Spanish, not that I wasn't already proud, but she was uh, relating it through I Love Lucy, and she's like, you know. I love Lucy. People think it's all about Lucy. 
but <laughs> she like what is like Desi Arnaz is the real star of this, and he was like directing shit. He's like the camera angles. He'd come up. He was a re- he was a pioneer Christian, and I'm like, all right, cool. Desi Arnaz is a pioneer. I don't know why your mom felt the need to give me a rah rah speech about Latinos, but I appreciated it. it. Looks like you were feeling really down on yourself. I had a cultural moment where I'm like, who am I? Doctor <laughs> Leach like, is gonna come in. She's gonna diagnose the problem, and the problem is oh, he's man. not proud enough of his Latin heritage. Doctor Leisha, man, I love that. We should give her a show. I'm just be like, not actually a doctor. <laughs> she's like Dr. Oz. She's it's just like, like prescribing it's, things. Yeah. Dr. Phil. It's like ceremonially a doctor. You know what yeah, I mean? It's, it's like giving both medical and psychological advice. Sometimes. Being a doctor is more of a state of mind, Max. You know, it's it's not always about the 12 years of school or whatever it takes, you know? twelve. I almost said you said 12 years of slave and I was like, <laughs> it's the same well, thing. That tie in. Med school well, and slavery. No, when you obviously. think about it, Dr. Phil. Mm-hmm. Is fucked up like that i mean shit. sure yeah like that, said, that's do you uh, see what he when he took advantage of uh of shelly duvall shelly duvall yes dude what the all fuck? like she's all like mentally ill now and who did like, she say that she was fucking around with like she was hanging out with robin williams like two years after he died or something like that she's like i just saw robin last week I'm like what the fuck she might have saw robin last week in her mind man like i don't maybe, know or maybe she's right and robin is still alive. he's still around he's on the land i haven't <laughs> seen the body yeah where's the death certificate produce the death certificate <laughs> zelda williams fuck you you're in this conspiracy theory it's like obama's man. birth certificate <laughs> no, i need the death certificate that would be dude listen like when michael jackson died i was so convinced i'm like listen y'all are like prince or david bowie any of them I'm like y'all motherfuckers like a year from now when he descends from the fucking clouds like just know that I called it, all right? It was a publicity stunt the whole time. Motherfucker faked his death. Never mind that that's a felony, okay? Yeah, like, you just bring Bowie back, like, five years from now at a Kanye concert or something. Oh, my God, dude. Can you it's fucking like, imagine? Because <laughs> that's the kind of, like, ignorant shit that would happen to Kanye. Like, who's that old guy? <laughs> Do you remember when they, um, when Paul McCartney did a song with Kanye and everyone's like, man, this new kid's going to get, he's going to break big. Kanye always giving new people a chance. Yep. That's crazy, I, man. I, I remember all the people being like, who's this old guy? But see, the thing is, I think people didn't see, well, is, is there a video for it or no? I don't know. I don't remember. All I know is that the vocals, and Paul McCartney, Paul McCartney basically sounds the same. I mean, his voice has changed a little bit, but he can yeah. still pretty much get there. And so I think people thought he was still young. And so people were like, this kid's about to blow up. Kanye always giving new kids a chance. And I loved that. Like, that made me, I mean, it broke my heart a little bit. <laughs> I had no faith for the future of humanity, but... Yeah, I mean, I don't think that Paul McCartney's probably released a decent song for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. I don't know how long it's been. Uh, Tug of War, 82. I remember <laughs> listening to by him. We we bought that album, Memory Almost Full, with the Natalie Portman oh, video. Oh, yeah, yeah. Everybody's going to dance tonight. That song, I think it is, yeah, right? With the... But I love that video. Do you hold on? Because the, the video is funny because it's like, oh, is it a golf cri- Oh, it's a mandolin. It's just my favorite fucking... Like, he didn't know that he had a mandolin coming or some shit. Come on, bro. Like, and then he dances around like a fucking right. ghost. Like... Jesus fucking it says paul mccartney to paul mccartney you know what i mean like what the fuck yeah. man he just he needs that cynicism of that heroin adult cynicism of john, <laughs> john constantly encroaching on yes. his whimsy i'm too that, whimsical that and impish <laughs> i'm yeah, telling you dude exactly. <laughs> fucking nailed that dynamic man 
man. What do you think it says about, uh, I've, I'm always fascinated by that. If you want to talk about creative processes and shit like that, because you go back into to great bands and stuff and it's not always like sometimes there is the central figurehead, right? Mm. But the Beatles, um, that's rare because you had the two central figureheads and then you also had George Harrison, who was a f- fucking fantastic songwriter in his own right. And then Ringo was there, you know, having fun, mm-hmm. playing drums. But if you go back to like Pink Floyd, you have the uh, Roger Waters, Dave Gilmore dynamic, right? The Who, you got Pete Towns and Roger Daltrey. You, you have a couple of these things where it's two personalities who we can see it. Like they went off and did solo things afterwards and neither of them reached the heights that they reached together. Um, that shit's fascinating to me, man. Because, like, listen, I love early Paul McCartney solo stuff, and I also really love John Lennon solo stuff. It ain't the Beatles, though, man, you know? And it's one of those things where, like, I'm so fascinated why people can't realize, like, yo, together you're making legendary things. Like, put your squabbles aside, you know what I mean? But then I then I wonder, like, would the Beatles, if they had stayed together, been as good? Or Well... I told you about that's why I've recontextualized Yoko because I think she saved the Beatles from really shitty, yeah. embarrassing eighties records. Yeah, like, like their disco phase. Yeah. Oh man, how weird would that have been? Like, just think about how fucking weird that would have been, dude. Let him, let him would have got a Bob Ross perm, dude. Yeah, just them all with perms doing Funky Town <laughs> covers. Oh, funky God. Town's lit, though. I can't even like bash on Funky Town. Have you seen that music video? It's yeah. Funny. Yeah, you really loved it. Yeah, I sent it to you. Yeah, yeah, no, it's great. It's like a Tim and Eric sketch or something. I felt so bad for that poor woman who was in it. I mean, I don't think she felt bad. I think she's eating for free off that fucking video forever, man. Maybe. I don't know. (laughs) Still getting those funky town residuals? Yeah, she walks in, she gets top shelf whiskey only, and they're like, this will be $45. She's like, (laughs) funky town, and she pulls it up on her phone or some shit. You know what I mean? I know she's getting that Shrek money because it was in Shrek 2, so... Shrek 2, man, <laughs> might have been the institution of which, uh, you remember like where they used to do like, now that's what I call music, 77, all right? Shrek should have just done their version of that. Like, stop doing movies all together, just do Shrek soundtracks. Like, now that's what I call Shrek. Soundtracks to Shrek movies that have never been released. <laughs> Why not? That would, on the cover. Yep, Pussy that'd be movie. even better. Yeah, that'd be Honestly. way fucking better, man. I'd watch all of those. Well, in my they, mind, I'd watch. They make them. like vocal appearances in the tracks. Are the tracks new, or are they just old collections of random songs? I think what we do is we use that program that you can just put like a bunch of talking lines into, and then we can manipulate new lines, and that's what we do. We just manipulate the fuck out of these lines. We have Eddie Murphy saying some terrible shit. Um, you know, Fiona becomes really against the feminist movement. It's weird, dude. Like watching the like love is a battlefield. Or something. Yeah, yeah, of course. Actually, on an actual battlefield, it's uh, it's getting metal in the Shrek verse. Is all Funky. I'm saying. Love is a battlefield. <laughs> Wait, so are they going all all in on Donkey and and Shrek like it's that? Not even that... them saying full lines of yeah. dialogue. It's just them saying their names. I know, but if you're gonna throw love is a battlefield oh, on Shrek. there. <laughs> Waffles. <laughs> That's my favorite line. I was hoping you'd say it. And in the morning, I'm making waffles. Oh man, that fucking dude. What's Eddie Murphy up to these days? Being irrelevant? Being a fucking piece of shit. <laughs> when did the tide turn on him? Because as a kid, I loved him. Right? Um, yeah, the Doctor Doolittle's. Nash. That was it. Two thousand two. That was early. That was like then he did uh, Meet Dave, which I I had a gigantic poster for. Nice. I worked at the movie theater, so I got free posters. And it was literally like the size of like my bedroom ceiling, that mm-hmm. big. 
I think mm-hmm. I gave it to Nick or something. And he actually put it on his <laughs> Nick like loves stupid posters. I gave him a poster of Mr. Bean on his on his yeah. birthday, and he loved it. All right, yeah. it was a free poster that we got from the movie theaters, by the way. It wasn't like me giving him a gift. But I also remember that weird fucking like Asian uh, figure skating thing. That yeah. He- <laughs> who who was that again? The, what the, guy, the Asian guy? Oh, I don't know. He said he found that in Chinatown in New York or something, and he just grabbed it. I'm like, all right, man, that's brilliant. I would have it there, too. I remember that poster. It was amazing. Um, But we're getting off topic here. Eddie Murphy. Oh, you know what it was? It was Norbit. I think Norbit was the final nail in the Eddie Murphy. You know, I agree. And here's the weird thing about that. Homie, people forget uh, Dreamgirls came out the same year as that. And no matter how you feel about the film, he was generally considered to be really, really great in it, right? And he was nominated for the Oscar, and he ended up losing that year to Alan Arkin. Now, a part of me understands why he was mad because he, yeah. Now, part of me understands why he was mad. I think Alan Arkin, dude, he's fucking wonderful in the movie. But I think he's on screen for 13 minutes. I think that that is his entire performance. He's not there for very long. Real Tony Hopkins and Silence of the Lambs situation, huh? Is he only in that for like 13 minutes total? Yeah, that's fucking crazy, dude. For a very little amount of time, like freakish amount of time. Oh, man, what a fucking performance. And I, I don't know, I, you got me talking about Tony Hopkins and I'm thinking about fucking Eddie Murphy over here. But like, no, but it's one of those things. So he lost that performance, even though Arkin's only in it for like 12 or 13 minutes. And he actually left the fucking ceremony, man. He was like, no, nah, I'm out. And he leaves the Oscars early. And I think that that, like, for me personally, fuck him, man. You can't You're sit through a goddamn bitch. Well, I mean, it's all, also, it's Alan Arkin. It's I like, called you out, Eddie Murphy. <laughs> you think you Come fight me. You know what would be great is if we, from now on, decided the winners in each category via death match. We put, like, all five uh, <laughs> nominees in a cage, and we duke it out, last yeah. person alive, battle royale. Here's uh-huh. a few, like, weapons or whatever. You get the award. Okay. Have a long-winded speech where you get cut off by the orchestra. <laughs> well, you wasted all your time fighting. Maybe if you had killed Ryan Gosling a little bit quicker, this wouldn't have been a problem. But fuck you. I like that because it would be all the old people who are unassuming, right? They're like, we'll get you later. You're in a wheelchair, Alan Arkin, even though he's yeah. not. Bruce Stern. But real Mark talk. Rylance comes up and just stabbing everybody <laughs> in the spine with a screwdriver. I don't know what he'd do. Mark Rylance goes fucking hard, man. Like, I seriously. Like Mark Rylance, man. He came it's out great. of nowhere. Um, he was the best part of Ready Player One which is not saying much. <laughs> uh, I really liked him in uh, uh, Dunkirk. <clears throat> Didn't even realize it was him in Dunkirk for a minute. I, uh, he peers into those roles. Um, he, he was he's uh, he's old man it, bro. As the giant. Well, I mean, he was made up CG yeah, at that I point. So. Until it was him. <laughs> he's, he's, he's becoming the new Gary Oldman. Somewhere in the world, Gary Oldman's like, hey, they. <laughs> like, you know, he doesn't like that someone's <laughs> calling the new version of anything. But... Uh, uh, oh, I've heard that Gary Oldman is like a weird conservative or something. Is he? I mean, here's the thing about British conservatism. I mean, up until recently, I felt like Brit- British conservatism was like the centrist in America. But there's been like a real fucking crazy wave in the last 10 years. So I don't they know. They just really want like tax reform and they yeah. don't agree with abortion sometimes. Sometimes. Does that fuck with you? I mean, listen, we're about to get serious for a second, man. Because, you know, Kennedy's retiring, right? So we Trump's going to pick another Supreme Court thing. And before you, yeah, hold on. Before you fucking fall down the despair rabbit hole, man. I'm sitting here just thinking like, no, it's bad, man. It really is. And I don't want to overstate it. I want to be one of those like, you know, uh, hysterical liberals or whatever but legit man ireland just made abortion legal like fucking ireland 
And if Ireland, in Ireland, my opinion, to be like the coolest country ever. But that's my fucking point. Like they weren't in the seventies. It was illegal to have condoms in Ireland, bro. Like in my mind, other than Rome, Ireland is the most Catholic place in the entire world. Okay. And if they are going to like, they might be more liberal than we are. Like we're about to take a giant step backwards where places like, I don't know, man, it's just that fucking scares me. um, I know that Ireland recently complete signed a bill to completely divest themselves of uh, all fossil fuels. And they're the first country in the world to do so as in completely cutting themselves off from fossil fuels it's got to be easier for a smaller country like that but why the fuck can't we do that on a grand scale dude like it just makes sense like i'm sure they can sustain themselves much easier it's a smaller population you need much less power than say america or even fucking new york city you know but still dude it's like why the fuck not because you know it's it's, it's like the kennedy thing um J- john kennedy uh you make the moonshot you make the declaration first, you figure out how to get there, dude. It's yeah. just like sitting around and not fucking planning for it or being proactive to do the hard things, you know what I mean, as he said. Well, it's like, I come on. I mean, man. like if, if conservatives really hate um, fucking Muslims so much and Muslim mm-hmm. extremism so much, then they need to do two things. Legalize all drugs, as hard and painful as that's going to be, because uh-huh. that cuts off one of their supply chains for opium, right? There's no longer a need for them to illegally distribute opium across the world. Mm-hmm. And two... You fucking stop using the fossil fuels that what comes from their countries and shit. And then they don't have any money and then all their people die poor. But so you're saying that's the racist approach that also makes sense economically is what you're saying, right? Like sometimes racism's okay. That's what you're trying well, to say. I'm just saying like, if you're going to be a conservative, that's like really super against ISIS or whatever and take a hard sure. stance. Like that yeah. is the fucking stance to take as far as I'm concerned. Like that's the simple solution. Stop fucking buying their shit. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense, man. Makes too much sense, Max. That's the problem. Like, no one wants that. No one wants sense. We're in a senseless time. Well, it's, a, you know, what I just said probably doesn't make sense for a lot of reasons. And I don't, <laughs> like, I don't I have don't time see. to poke holes in this uh, theory of yours. But no, it, it's just one of those things where I'm not trying to get too down or whatever. Um, but it, it's a scary time to be alive. And a lot of the things that people were straight up saying about, like, well, if Trump wins, he'll pick two to three Supreme Court nominees. I mean, like, that's very possible, man. Like, fucking yeah. Clarence Thomas is old. Ruth Bader Ginsburg's fucking old, man. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the country's fucked. What do you want? Uh, we're just going to have to go to the nice states where it's still liberal and um, hope for the best and uh, hope that the states continue passing laws to protect against all the bullshit that he does. But our standing on the world stage is irreparably damaged. Yeah. Um, like, getting close to, like, fucking nazi germany levels of like contrition that we're gonna have to do after this shit and that's Um, the thing that people don't fucking get right like people think that the nazi germany comparisons like ugh, like you lose credibility immediately but it's just like nah not the not the end not the horrific shit they were doing all the stuff beforehand that led to the horrific shit and it's just like fuck man and the parallels are goddamn terrifying just yeah. terrifying. And I, I, again, I'm going to end the political segment here in a second, but you know, he just went and did the NATO thing with the EU, went and talked to all the fucking heads of states. I, yeah. Like, I'm horrified, dude, because we're fucked. Because meanwhile, China is just like cozying up with the EU. Like, everyone else is going to... There was a time where it's like, okay, China was going to surpass us at some point, but as long as we kept doing what we were doing, we were going to yeah. be able to, to delay that for a while, but at least be equal partners. After this shit, like, China will leapfrog us. 
like even Russia, who's having tough economic problems, are still going to leapfrog us on the world stage because they're going to just play nice with other countries, which is something we can't fucking do. We're the toddler in the fucking sandbox who keeps throwing sand in the eyes of other kids for no fucking reason, man. Like, dude, you just want to like. Uh, yeah, I do. I want to move to China. <laughs> <laughs> like, finally, somebody said it. I wasn't going to say it. Uh, well, think about that but think about that for a second like it's not oh let's move to canada it's let's move to china that is a better case scenario than where the fuck yeah. we're right now man i'm just thinking like what are the places least likely to fall into financial despair and ruin you got your chinas got your chinas uh, <laughs> you got your other china <laughs> you got your hong kong it's a two china it's a two-state party i just wonder at what point is the value of the american dollar just gonna like fucking plummet to where like me as a tourist is going to be a problem right i want to travel the world it's already a fucking problem dude i go to italy and it's like i'm taking out money and then like i'm taking out 200 euros but i'm really taking out like 300 dollars, and i'm like god damn yeah. dude like i'm just gonna pretend to be canadian from now on dude i, 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 pull it off. I'm always I told you i did that when i was in italy right yeah. i was like i'm from toronto eh like who's trump like i pretended like we don't even know who oh, he is that, that trump those americans really stepped in and now eh <laughs> Oh, Christ, man. It, it is the best way to go because instantly people will be nice to you. I, I mean it. People will just be like, oh, okay. Like, you make oh, syrup. <laughs> like, you're not a part of the problem. You're not a part of a potential fascist. Well, problem. listen, when you move up to New York, you can actually just say, I'm from New York. And people internationally understand that, like, New York is not America. <laughs> like, that it is, like, a liberal bastion. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's exciting, I guess. New York but. is going to continue being cool and stuff? Yeah, too expensive for old Maxter in five years. Well, that's the problem. Um, it's like it's just going to get too expensive at some point. But uh, the good news is, if there is any for the poor people, is that the bubble is going to burst in New York in like two years. Like the amount of like luxury high rises that they keep building in like places that do not need to be fucking built yet are it's yeah. it's astounding. And I feel like all those luxury buildings are going to the bubble is going to burst really bad in about two years. So so a bubble bursting for me. It means what that I can move into a luxury high rise in like a couple of years? And well, I, I hope you wouldn't because they're stupid. And why would you pay that much money for a fucking high rise? It's like just so dumb to luxury. me. Luxury. They're dumb as fuck. Like the whole idea is like for those buildings or never leave the building. We have a Whole Foods in the basement. We have a gym. We have laundry. You never have to leave your apartment. And to me, I'm just like, like but why live in New York then, dude? It's like, like the high rise, right? With uh, yeah, Hiddleston. Yeah. All of the floors are going to start warring each other, and we're going to start eating uh, dogs uh, for sustenance. Or revenge. Just revenge. Like, there's not even a food shortage. You're like, I'm going to eat that fucking poodle because fuck my neighbor. I hate that bitch. I, like, I love that movie for how quickly things go off the rails. Like, <laughs> and immediately, it's just like a full scale genocide between floors. Yeah. And it's not even like poor people versus rich people. It's middle class versus upper, upper middle class versus kind of rich people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. I don't know. That shit's really funny. I love movies anytime they uh, they get to the premise. I mean, like, every time I watch Cronenberg's The Fly, I legit, I'm like, they spent 10 minutes and they're in the fucking lab already. <laughs> like, there is no setup. Like, I loved it, yeah. man. Um, Cut the you know. bad out of that shit, you know? I love it. But, uh, you know, Cronenberg aside, it's one of those things where, like, the luxury apartment thing is going to be bad. And I think that you'll be able to, you know, the prices will go down in New York. But eventually it's going to be a problem. In terms of being a liberal bastion, New York's always going to be New York. Because, like, just the people who are running it. De Blasio is not particularly well-liked, and he's still a really good liberal. You know what I mean? So, like, 
when you're a really good liberal and you're not well liked, it's like, okay, the, the only other thing is to the left. He's got a fro, so he's got some oh, dude. Good. His kid's name is Andre and he's got a cool ass afro. That's all I'm saying, man. Like, it's why I voted for him, okay? That's the only reason why. Um, it was not well, policy. When I get there, I'm gonna vote for him for his usage of helicopters <laughs> and bro. Yeah, so you're like, take I'm my a money. <laughs> oh Christ. Um Speaking of racist assholes, I don't know why that's a speaking of. Uh, did you hear about Papa John's this week, man? Um, I heard that he said the N-word um, at a thing that was supposed to be him doing sensitivity training. Oh, shit. Was that, was that the context? I, I think that that was like some version oh, of context. Man. It was supposed to be him like doing penance for fucking up the first time. That is adorable. I mean like an acute three-year-old racist sort of way um that I, is I kind of adorable then it's like on reddit and there's like one guy who's like yeah i'm black and i think this is adorable like this is <laughs> thank you i'm glad he said that uh because it is adorable not not the racism of it that's kind of terrible just the idea that he went to like he went to a sensitivity training and didn't one get one place he's like all right look you can't say uh faggot you can't say queer <laughs> like he's just saying all the words that you possibly can't say and everybody's like, just like whoa <laughs> Like that is sort of adorable to me yeah. uh, because he just can't help like, himself. But yeah, he literally can't help it. It's oh, the one place God. where he has to fucking control himself and he just can't do it. That guy has been like a public figurehead for, I, I mean, for me, at least 20 years or something. Right. Like I remember yeah. Papa John's commercials when I was like, better ingredients, better pizza, Papa John's. Let okay. But that's my point. NFL guy. <laughs> yeah. Peyton Manning shows up. Yeah. Um, he pulls Peyton Manning out of the hole in his fucking basement, like the gimp <laughs> in Pulp Fiction. Uh, no, but it's one of those things where like, I remember seeing him from forever. And that's the weird thing about not being political as a child. Right. Is that you still like it? That no, gimp no, no, you, you just reminded me of um, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, which I just finished watching how there's this long running gag where it's Eli Manning. Right. Yeah. <laughs> have all the clones of Eli Manning and he continues getting dumber and dumber yeah. and dumber. It's like a multiplicity Michael Keaton situation where each clone is is dumber than the one previous. Man, um, ultimate Michael Keaton movie right there, maybe. Multiplicity's fucking great. I mean, it's terrible. It's like a horrible, barely watchable film. But at the same time, Michael Keaton's it's got in it. Andy McDowell in it. It's got multiple Michael wife. Keatons, though. Like, that's my favorite part. Yeah, multiple Keatons. Multiple mics. <laughs> you get to see Michael Keaton play a michael keaton type a gay michael keaton type <laughs> a dumb michael keaton type handicapped michael keaton. oh okay you went you went politically correct with it all right that's fine i just called him dumb you know, you know well he is you're right dude he there's a scene i'll never forget the scene i don't know why this is a great remember that king of the hill memory i told you about where i was like the king of the hill the radio guy same deal michael keaton and multiplicity where his white eddie mcdowell is trying to have a fucking moment she's like please just just tell me what you want. Tell me what you need. And she's talking to the mentally handicapped one. And he's like, I want a pizza. And I'm just like, what the fuck? Yet another movie that could oh, not possibly cr- be <laughs> Oh, my God. Sorry. I just keep thinking about, like, how much gold there was. And, like, that, all of that would be lost from the world. If you this know? fucking PC shit. And look, we're both liberals. Just shit can be funny sometimes. Intentions matter. Lighten the fuck up, people. But going back to Papa John's, because I don't think we should lighten up about I say, that. I say darken down. You know, let's get even more policey. <laughs> oh, no. Really? No. You're playing a bit? Are you, like, who is Americaing me here? I don't know anymore, all right? <laughs> I really don't. You don't know what the uh, line is supposed to be? The I, company line? I, uh, you know, 
I go back and forth on this because I, I feel like the whole complaining about PC culture is fine up to a point, but it uh-huh. doesn't really affect my life that negatively, honestly. What does bother me is seeing a thousand think pieces um, attacking every single movie and weighing its strengths on the feminist scale and inclusivity and everything. And it's like sometimes just let a movie be a movie. But that said, <sighs> yeah. I also don't give a shit. I can just not read the article. But see, that bothered me like when Black Panther came out because I'm like, we should be celebrating the fact that Marvel gave $150 million to a 90% black cast, but where's the LGBTQ representation? I'm like, motherfucker, it ain't about you. Like, it's about them. Midget representation. And then someone's like, that's anti midget. And then, like, that's also anti midget. You can't say that. And it just keeps going. It's just just, a midget. uh, non-representation <laughs> but that's my point it's like that but that movie's not about you and like i you know so like the scar joe thing maybe is another great example right now that's a little bit different because i understand the merits to that one you know what i mean um i actually know a trans person who made a post on facebook where they were like a few years ago yes you needed like actors who were not trans to kind to of tell that story to have any kind of representation that, but it's 20 fucking 18 we have plenty of trans actors who are willing ready and able to act in things like why are we still casting uh, cisgendered people. Well, I told you, like, one of, one of my favorite movies of the last, like, couple, five years or so is Tangerine. Like, I fucking love Tangerine. It was a Sean Baker film, and, like, it has trans people in it, and, like, they're great actors. Like, but that's my point. Like, yo, we're not at that part. We're not living secret lives anymore. People aren't out there fucking, like, not being true to themselves. We have trans actors. We've accepted them. Orange is the New Black. It's a fucking huge show, and we all love her. I forget her name. I'm blanking on her right now. But she's wonderful. And that's my thing. Yeah, Laverne Cox, sorry. Um, and that's my thing. It's like, I understand that criticism. You know what I mean? I really do. Um, trying to, her trying to compare herself to Felicity Huffman, who had to do it in 2002 for Trans America, is just so fucking unfair and a bad example because we should expect the cultural fucking dial to shift over 15 years, 16 years, you yeah. know? I mean, the dial has shifted dramatically in the past three, five years, like Jesus Christ, and rightly. And I think it's great. But yeah, I don't know. I think what the thing about PC culture that's frustrating is that you have to take everything, like everything is its own separate conversation Uh and it's exhausting. But at the same time, isn't it great that we're in a space that we're able to have those conversations now? Um, I think it's great that we're able to have the conversations, but I think the problem is you're expected to be perfect in all of your thinking and having any independent thought or even questioning something is considered being against it completely. And I've told that example before. Like I asked the name of someone, uh, what the previous name was before they transitioned. And you would have thought that I had like ran over their dog or something. It's just like, no, I'm just ignorant. Like I want to know. I just want to, I want to be more in tune with what's going on because I want to be an educated person. Whereas there are other people who literally look at you as a subhuman for fucking no reason. Rightly so. (laughs) Fuck off, man. Again, if anyone just came in at this particular moment and they're like, you're subhuman, rightfully so, what power? (laughs) Like, it's going to be a whole fucking thing. (laughs) Like, I would come off as like a racist piece of shit. Yeah, dude, come on, man. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, dude, obviously. (laughs) It's, I don't know, dude. It's one of those things where, uh, I, and that's my only real complaint with PC culture. I think PC has the best intentions. I do. I think people have the best intentions. I think the problem is when you're shutting up dissenting opinion of any kind, it's like, we're, we agree on 90% of things, but, but because I don't give you the exact terminology you want, that makes me a bad person. We cause division within ourselves. And we just saw that in the last election too. So that's my fucking beef with it.
<sighs> you know, I mean, uh, I, I do want to talk to you about something. Okay. Um, and I know this is a serious podcast, and I'm sorry, audience. I think that we've been funny. It's all good. <laughs> issues uh-huh. like Americans do yeah. um, every day. Uh, I recently saw something on Netflix, and I talked to you about it a little bit, um, and I got, I got an interesting reaction. I don't know if you've watched it yet. It's a stand-up special, Hannah Gadsby's Nanette. This is a comedian I was not familiar with. I put it on because I kept seeing like in the periphery, like a bunch of articles and headlines. Uh, this is seismic. This is important. You need mm-hmm. to see it. And I was like, whatever, whatever, whatever. I had some time after work. I put it on and I was fucking floored. All right. Like, let me, like, let me ask you a question. Those, yeah, go ahead. Where is she from? Uh, Tasmania. Okay. So she's a foreign perspective. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Um, that's an interesting place to be from, by the way. Yeah. Because- uh, well, she, she gets into that. Okay, go cool. Ahead. No, no, I was, I was just asking those things. All right, so uh, it's a foreign perspective. How, about how old is she? Do you know? Like, if you had to guess? I'm actually not sure. 30s or 40s. 30s or guess. 40s, okay. Yeah. I'm just trying to see where she is in her life in terms of the perspective yeah. and the kind of wisdom she's um, going to expound. So. Yeah, yeah, to, to give you some <clears throat> perspective, and you, she gives you perspective throughout the show, but the show is basically a treatise. Like, 15 minutes in, she does something kind of remarkable. She sincerely says and doubles down on that this is this show is going to be an explanation of why she's quitting comedy altogether, and at the last third of it is literally jokeless on purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, but she talks about growing up in Tasmania as a butch lesbian, and this is a place where home like uh, where gay people like homosexuality was basically illegal until 1997. Seventy percent people are still in support of it and she grew up in the bible belt section of tasmania which is admittedly a small country but basically everyone around her was telling her that she was wrong mm-hmm. her entire life. sure um and that's just the jumping <laughs> off point for the humor um but yeah no i uh i was fucking floored by it i can't really recommend it enough i don't even want to spoil it please don't because I, I am gonna watch it <clears throat> never seen a stand-up special like it um but it fucking got to me dude you know what it is i think i'm resentful of it uh, not for any of the work. I've not seen it yet. I'm going to watch it. I, I have heard nothing but great things. I think my issue with it was the strong reactions I've gotten from people who I know don't give a fuck about like the legacy and history of stand-up comedy, the kind of declarations they were making about it. And then even when you were talking about it, I found myself annoyed. <laughs> not at you. I was just like, what does this mean about me? Why am I annoyed by this? Right? Because you didn't say anything that was yeah. bad. You, you just, you went, you were just going so hard on it. I'm like, it just reminded me of like when you were getting into David Lynch initially, I'm just like, Oh yeah. fuck off, man. Like, you know, like get out of my fucking face. No, but the truth is I think it annoyed me because you know, I have this preconceived notion of what stand-up comedy is supposed to be. There is my version of comedy, but you and I have gotten into conversations about like Mark Maron where we're like, well, Maron isn't a comedian. Like if me, if Maron would go out and say, Hey, I'm, like a talker and interviewer who tells jokes, mm-hmm. we would all get along with it more. You know what I mean? Right. Because yeah. his best work is on that podcast. So I think yeah. what got me about that was that people were saying it's the greatest standup ever. And I think that bothered me because I think like what I'm hearing from it, it, it transcends what standup even fucking is. Like it is yeah, supposed well, to be a moment between the audience and, and a personal story. It's almost a one man show yeah. more than a standup special. Yeah. And that's where I've read a lot of criticism of it. Cause it's getting like huge backlash from a lot of people. Basically. Okay. Uh, why, why are we even calling this a standup special? Okay. It's basically a Ted talk. Um, and the first two thirds of it are standup. Like it's uh, like straight up standup and she slowly eases you into 
the last third, which is just fucking gut wrenching. Like okay. it is hard. It is a hard watch. Um, but I can't recommend it enough. And uh, she does like have this conversation with the audience deconstructing why she's quitting comedy. Mm-hmm. She's basically saying that she says this line about 15 minutes in that she was always self-deprecating as a comic. Okay. And she realized as time went on that being self-deprecating as somebody who exists on the fringes is not humility. It's humiliation. She's mm-hmm. literally giving herself permission to be heard by taking herself down. And that's why she can't continue to be in comedy anymore. Well, can't, can't she just do comedy without being self-deprecating? But that's the only way she knows how to do it. That's okay. what she's built her entire, that's how she tells stories. And she was also talking about how a joke is basically um, a question that you pose that creates attention within the audience and then a surprise answer, which serves as the relief or release of that tension. Sure. But that ten- tension in real life is something she's felt her entire life. Yeah. So she feels like it's disingenuous to constantly be releasing that tension. So the point of the special is to not release the tension, to build it and then walk away. Nice. I kind of love that. Yeah. yeah, man, I got to watch it. I mean, I hope it's, I hope it's good. And I, and I don't want to be one of those people. Cause when I hear people like you just describe people being like, why are we calling the standup special? It's a Ted talk. And I wanted to punch those people. So I don't want to be those people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I need to like clarify that. I don't know why I felt the way I felt, you know, I think it was more a reaction against other people saying like, this is better than any other stand-up comedian who's ever walked on stage ever. And I'm like, oh, fuck yourself, man. Like, who are you? It's not. But I, I think that it's just people who can't really contextualize or process something that feels important. Sure. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they just want to say something about it. But mm-hmm. it's really hard to even find words to describe it. It's just something you need to see. Well, um, what I like about it is it, it seems like, I don't want to call it like an evolution, but it's one of those things that shows like... Um, like I told you every now and then I'll listen to a podcast that really blows me away because it'll be like story-based or something. And it lets me see what you can do in this medium. Before I thought podcasting was just people talking, okay? That's all you could do. But now it's like, what it seems to me, this special is showing like, hey man, you can also do this in the medium. And that is fucking monumental. And that is beautiful and important. That's what I should have been hearing. I didn't hear that. And that's the problem. That's why I resented it, man. You know? Right. And, and I know I've been freaking out about it, and I'm sorry to keep going on and on. I'll just no, 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 no. Like, mm-hmm. It's basically uh, me coming home from a long week of work and just like, all right, throw on a stand-up special. I'll see what the big fucking deal is. Ha, ha, ha. Not ready for your life to be sitting fucking down. shaken. <laughs> yeah, and then by the end, I was literally just sitting on my couch in tears, and I was like, I don't even oh, want to watch another stand-up special. I just want to, like, fucking die right now holy shit you know that's where i want to live that feeling right there right like the leftover is always playing <laughs> like, like it's so rare that i'm impacted that much by anything yeah so it's really great to be like hey you still feel things max yeah um well dude listen i mean that's like glowing recommendation so everyone listening to the show uh please go check that out i know i'm gonna check it out when i get done um and get back at me about how it's not really a stand-up special <laughs> it's a ted talk <laughs> like fuck who cares let's man. really get into the semantics of it uh, no, I, I like. I think I liked what I said better, which is just like it just shows what you can do within yeah. the medium, and I think that that's more important. She zigged when she should have zagged, so to speak. Um, you know, there, there are <laughs> in this world. <laughs> uh, don't be such a zigger, Max. Uh, anyway, uh, so yeah, man. Uh, again, I, if somebody walked in, right? <laughs> this, is, this is the low key racist show. <laughs> We should just rebrand right now. Uh, yeah. We're called Where's My Burrito. We're called The Low-Key low Racist. Key show. Oh, Christ. Uh, so listen, man, can I announce something? Uh, this is a little bit of business on my end, if that's okay. You 
certainly can. So listen, man, you know that this is the thing I love to do more than anything. I love podcasting. But more specifically, I love podcasting with you. Um, mm-hmm. Building these stupid fucking worlds that we get to build every every week is one of my favorite things to do in the world, and I'm glad we get to do it. Um, I have also been doing this for a bunch of years, as you know, and I've had a partner of mine uh, named Robert, aka DJ Miles, whatever you want to call him. Me and him have been working on this thing for a long time, and I get to announce today that next Saturday, so that'd be Saturday the 21st of July, um, we are doing a television show, like a review show thing on this network called Double Toasted. Um, hey. which I, yeah, dude, it's a big deal. I mean, they have about 120,000 subscribers, I believe, right now. Mm-hmm. Um, the show's average like 80,000 viewers within 24 hours. Like, it's, it's kind of a substantial thing. <clears throat> Not the biggest thing in the world, but I'm really excited because it's, um, you know, Dude, I, all I've wanted to do my whole life is just watch shit and then talk about it. <laughs> like, that's my whole aspirations. Like, yeah, I want to make stuff. But if I can only just talk about it, that's cool, too. So it's like, yeah, man, I get to talk about TV and um, I get to break it down and be analytical and, and try to, you know, shine a light on shows that I really love. The problem is you're working within a machine, so you still got to tackle some of the popular stuff, too. But each show is supposed to be about 60 to 90 minutes. And it's my fucking solemn hope that every the last 30 minutes of every show is just me geeking out about some other thing. That's not like walking dead or game of thrones. Oh God. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you this. So I'm rewatching fear of the walking dead now um, because the new season begins August 12th and we have a show on August 11th. And then from there, I think we're going to switch days to um, be a Monday show. So we can catch, because like, as you know, the end of the TV week is Sunday. Like Sunday is when all the big shows come on. Monday is where you got to review shit. So right now, for the, for the first month, we're doing Saturday slots. <clears throat> but we're going to do a recap of each season of Fear the Walking Dead that's happened so far. So I've been rewatching all of it. And I had watched the first six episodes way back when, like the first season way back when. And then yeah. me and Robert started watching the second season. And he made, there's just a, a joke where like they cut to a character and he's like covered in blood, but he has this like smug fucking face on his on him and then robert sent me a picture to that and then like made a stupid voice and i could never get that joke out of my mind so i just stopped watching the show two years ago i'm like oh i can't i can't go back to this now you know so i stopped watching it it was it was it was ridiculous right but now that i got the show i'm like i gotta do some work you know um so i rewatched uh the the second season first because i'm like i remembered what happened in season one um, and it's weird because season two, it's like, I'm so used to hating the walking dead. Cause I fucking hated this show for like the last three or four years, the main walking dead show. Yeah. Um, that I'm just, I'm wanting oh. to hate this. Oh dude. It's there's, there's a Carl character in this one, but he's worse, but he's name fucking, also Carl. No, it's Chris. It's oh. gotta see. It makes us other Chris's look bad, dude. It's bad. But, um, does, does someone say Chris? Uh, yeah. All the time. <laughs> Chris, <laughs> God damn you, Chris. <laughs> that's like, that's the whole show, man. Oh man! I mean, it's a it's a lazy's writer's room for sure. But uh, no, dude. So see, season. Well, that's the spinoff. You know, that's what we're getting. I hope. But uh, no, but season two is weird because, like, and I don't know. Like, this is some shit I'm actually really interested. In. Like, I kind of want to make you watch this because I want to know your perspective on this. Far, far from a perfect show. It's not still not great by any stretch of the imagination. Better than Walking Dead. I I like it much more than Walking Dead, but here's the reason why. Okay, is uh, they're in Los Angeles in the first uh, season, like that's where the outbreak starts, and then they end up on a boat. They get onto a yacht at the very end of season one. Season two picks up mostly on open water. They split the seasons in half, right? So I think the first seven episodes are mostly on water, except for the last two. Um, 
and which is interesting because it's like the misadventures of the the zombie crew, you know. But um, and it, it, it's kind of weak or whatever. But it has some interesting character moments. The second half of the season, they're on the land, but they're in Mexico, and there's just something about the Spanish language. Like, is one, it's yeah. just fucking infinitely more beautiful than English. I'm sorry to tell you guys, like, it is so goddamn gorgeous. Uh, and then also the advent Most languages are more beautiful. Than I them. think so. I mean, that's, that makes you really appreciate the, the great yeah. writers of English, like Faulkner and Cormac who can write these, like to make this garbage. Oh my God. Yeah. To, to yeah, make it whistle, man. <laughs> you know, my French teacher in high school, Miss Lanfran Coney. And she was like, French is so much more beautiful than English. But it is. Like, prove yeah. it. <laughs> Fucking prove it. Miss Lanfran Coney. And she's like, you know, you say lamp and they say lump. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, fuck, you're right. <laughs> you're like, that, that was the one example you needed? Like, that's all, you got me. All right, dead to rights. I'm done. Ready. I already agreed with her. I just didn't like what she was saying. Yeah, no one wants to give the French a victory. They just won the World Cup, and I'm like, goddamn French assholes. And I love Paris, but fuck those French people. They're going to lord this over the rest of the world. <laughs> For four fucking years, man. Um, win a war instead of a fucking World Cup. Anyway, um... So it's one of those Ooh, things. <laughs> that's how the value of a country is determined. Sadly, right? The Warhawk fucking Teddy Roosevelt era of Americans. Um, but going back to Walking Dead, sorry. Uh, <laughs> let's bring it back within the Walking Dead universe. What if there was a Teddy Roosevelt? Like, it seriously just came back during a zombie apocalypse, man. literally just about to say that. Dude, oh my God. Either, either zombie Teddy Roosevelt or <laughs> Teddy Roosevelt somehow comes back as a human. During. Rhyme. Yeah. He just like drops out of the nose of Mount Rushmore. Like, <laughs> Do you ever see like the the videos of him just like chopping down trees because he can? Like, I don't. He's the best fucking president who's ever lived. I'm sorry, man. I'm putting it he out was there. Ron Swanson in real life. That's accurate. You're right, man. I think you nailed it. There's no other accurate fucking description of who he is. You know. Yeah. But um. Let me finish this fucking point because I need yeah. you to understand. No, it's cool because like the Spanish language is so fucking beautiful. And on top of that, I think once you have the Spanish language in, like I'm Puerto Rican, dude, you know, we're Americanized, but we still have a lot of like Spanish uh, sensibilities. Right. And, mm-hmm. and like myths and shit. And so like, there's something about Mexican, uh, like Spanish cultures are more susceptible to myths and legends. And like, we have a name for all this shit. Yeah. Like we have like a cuckoo, you know, like we know what all this shit is already. We've waited our whole lives that we've been prepared for it. Um, and it's just something about like, it's almost playing to like magical realism within the walking dead. Now maybe it's only magical realism to the people in Mexico for the most part. Like when we're here, there's like a, there's a subplot about, um, one dude was bitten and he didn't turn. Right. And so now anytime someone gets bit, they like throw them out there to see like there's a messianic complex within like the one person who will like say, you know what I mean? And that's the kind of shit that like, not, I don't, it's not because Spanish people are dumb or stupid or something, but like we have those legends passed down for generations and shit. And so like seeing that prism, like zombies and all that through like the culture of Mexico, kind of beautiful, man. Like I loved it. It, It's one of those things where like, it's so improved the rest of the season for me. Um, and they do some really interesting character work and the most, like the fucking worst character in the world. There's one character on the show that if you took him out of season one and season two and all of his affecting subplots, right? Because he's like related to someone. So of course, anything that happens to him has to have ramifications for the other people. If you took him out of this show, it's riveting. Like every part of the show works except this motherfucker and everything that he touches. And that's what bothers me. So also, let me spoiler alert, they kill this fucker off at the end of season two. So now 
I'm sitting here like with, with a season and a half to watch before the 12th. And I'm like, wow, well, if I got through this shit with the most annoying character in the world, like, I think I'm going to really love what else is to come. You know, was he like Andrea or whatever her name was? And the, no, no, because she was terrible. I remember. Well, she was terrible, but like, you know, what are you going to do about that? I don't know. Like they have to have a dumb character. It's, it's like, she was terrible because the, the thing necessitated it. She didn't get stupid in her terribleness until season three, like where the governor arc, and then she was just fucking dumb, you know? But, but what, what bothered me about that is it didn't seem like the show also knew that she was terrible. It seemed like it was expecting us to like her. Oh yeah. Well, that's my point. That's my point. So like yeah. the, the, the point that the scene I always go back to with Andrea, and I'm sorry that this is devolving into a walking dead thing. Um, but the scene that I always go back there is when she's with the governor or whatever, and she has to give a rah-rah speech to the people of, uh, of Woodbury. And she's like, yeah. not with our hearts, but with our minds. And it's like this whole speech. And I'm like, I don't give a fuck about any of this. Yeah. I don't know why anyone else here does. Yeah, it's terrible. And uh, yeah, exactly. This is not, you're not on a fucking horse with face paint, man. All right. Um, she's all right, but she's no Mel. <laughs> Damn, when Mel looks good. Damn, man. That's anyway, so my point is this. So the show goes live Saturday. July 21st. I would love if all of you lovely Where's My Burrito listeners want to check it out. It's going to be real fun. Obviously, it ain't me and Max. Uh, it's only half of the band. But, you know, I've always said that for me, I'm doing this other thing because I want to talk TV, but also because it gives us a chance to get more people to listen. And that's a big deal to me because this is the thing I'm most proud of. And, you know, uh, yeah, I just man. wanted to announce that. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's one of those things where like, I've been working on it for so long that now that it's... Yeah five days away i'm kind of like uh i'm incredulous to the whole situation but right you've been keeping me posted on the trials tribulations ups and downs and what yeah i'm really happy for you that it's thanks man coming together yeah uh you know you're getting you're getting yourself out there you're getting yourself an audience yeah i mean it's it's a big deal man i mean also i just you know you see other people online this is not a good thing to do like you shouldn't have the other people's success be your barometer for success but i mean i'm sure like even in films man we see people make movies and we're like oh fuck that guy man like why the like, fuck does he get 20 million you know like mick g <clears throat> yeah mick g yes wow out of everyone you could have pulled i don't think you pulled a better example that i had no was not in my brain at all but as soon as you said it i'm like Fuck Charlie's Angels. Fuck Charlie's Angels 2. Fuck Terminator Salvation. Fuck him. All right. All I have is fucks for Mick G. Mick G. He's probably kind of talented somehow. I don't know. Like to get to get by that long with a name like Mick G. Mm -hmm. You know, but still fuck him. Straight I mean, has he made a movie in like 10 years? I think he's in movie jail now, man. Uh, I mean, sure. He was on Comedy Bang Bang as himself. Oh, but was he actually okay? Yeah. He wasn't like a complete dickbag? No. He was in a bit, though. He wasn't the person being interviewed. Oh, okay. See, I thought he was... Okay, that makes more sense. Yeah, um, he was one of Scott's like, co- old college friends before they were all successful, along with the girl who plays Wendy in the Wendy's commercials. Oh, okay. Uh, um, he directed this movie called The Babysitter that's on Netflix. Ooh. And he's oh, doing another yeah. one called Rim, Rim of the World. How bad I is it? For five minutes and I couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> I, I throw up. Yeah, your fucking skin started to crawl and shit like that. You're like, no, man. And then my friend Jackson was like, eh, it wasn't that bad. And I was like, <laughs> How did you even get 10 minutes through it without throwing up? And he's like, because I drink a lot. And I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that'll help, man. Um, why wouldn't it? 
Um, yeah, man. I don't know. McG's fucking perfect. I'm going to put that away because I can look at McG's failures all day. Right? That's the kind of person I, that's my point. It's like looking at the show, you see other people online doing it and you're like, oh, fuck that dude, man. Because they're not yeah. saying anything. They're not saying anything of substance. They went and they read an IGN review, which is the lowest form of reviews, by the way. Um, and then just said it in their own words, you know? <laughs> I mean, like for, for television reviews, like you're telling me you're not going to like, I'll listen to Seppenwall, especially now that he's a Rolling Stone. He's like trying to be more official. It's less playful and way more analytical. Um, so like Seppenwall and, and who's the other guy? Travers, Ben Travers or whatever. Like I'll listen to those dudes. Uh, who, where, which publication is he with? He's at a Vox. Vox. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sure. I'll, I'll read Vox. I'll read Vox. I'll read, um, McCarthy, who was who was with IndieWire, I think. Now he's with the Hollywood. I could, I could genuinely name like twenty more people, and it would get real obnoxious. I, well, that's my point, right? So you 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 want to follow certain voices, yeah. and and you like those voices, but that's the thing. It's like I'm not going to go to fucking a video game website to hear what they have to say about a television show. Like, what the fuck, man? I don't yeah. know. They're Maybe I like should. Fucking playing the new Call of Duty and half watching it, and being yeah. Like, oh yeah, the cinematography was really great. Was great. <laughs> in that episode did you guys see that <laughs> i kind of want to do a, a movie review show and bring our friend caitlin onto it uh because you can't argue with her <laughs> like i didn't like it because the acting was bad and the writing was stupid <laughs> like that is that is like review proof you can't fucking argue with that <laughs> she wins every debate like, i can't tell you no it was actually good no, it was actually bad. Like fuck. All right, yeah, I guess. Right. I guess you won. And mates. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Um, listen, dude. What are we up to? What's what's our future holding? Um, hopefully, lots of money and not a whole <laughs> lot of death or illness. Yeah, not a whole um, lot. A couple deaths. Some, I mean, it would be weird if there weren't any. Some light deathing, you know. Just some, you know. Yeah. Not you or me, though. We're yeah, well, that people. would be bad. Although, I mean, if we could, like, if I die, will you parade me around town for a few weeks? You know what I mean? I mean we, we have an ongoing deal. You know what you're going to do if I die. Before Lift up die. your body above my head. And what do I have to scream? I forget what it is. Hold no! on. <laughs> God damn it. And it has to be raining. So you're going to have to wait. Oh, until you have man. A rainy day. It's a drought. It hasn't Our rained in a hundred years. <laughs> Just a hundred days later, you got me in like dry storage or something. Dude, I watched this um, this documentary called uh, Evil Genius. Have you seen this on Netflix? I've seen the previews for it. I've okay. Seen it on Netflix, but I haven't seen it. I'm going to tell you immediately why it's my favorite documentary. Because it's like three or four episodes only. Like it knows when to end. You see some of these docu-series. <laughs> where, like coming from you. It's okay. Wait, wait, hold on. I need to walk it back immediately. It's not, it's not the best thing ever. I'm mostly in love with it because it knew when to end. Like other podcasts, other TV shows would be like, this is eight to 13 episodes. No, bitch, it's four. Let's move on. Okay. Um, so it's, it's like a BBC original or something. Where they like, know when to wrap it up, B. All right. <laughs> it's better to be at the party when it's still a party instead of people fucking, you know, sauntering off and it's lame and the old dude who's like 33 is still there. I don't know. What's up? You know, you know, really fucks me up about Great Britain, and it's like get on the same page as the USA, you Brit motherfuckers. Is when they call a season a, a series. Season. Oh, yeah. it's series six. But you know what's weird about that is like in financing in America, when you do financing, like you have to raise uh, funds or whatever for like startups, you call it a series A 
a series B, a series C, right? We call other things like what they actually are. So, yeah, but, but that's I my, that <laughs> I know everything about the stock market now. <laughs> Big short. Thank you. Remember when Anthony Bourdain cut up a fish and explained tranches? Did he do that? He did something like that. <laughs> so it was uh, a yeah, rip, rip to Anthony. That's all I know. No, I've seen it. I just don't remember that at all. Like Anthony Bourdain. And, yeah, there's, there's no a part where they like cut to Anthony Bourdain and he's like, you know, tranches are like uh, filleting a fish and he's like cutting a fish and gutting it and everything. And he's like yeah. explaining economics at the same time. I hate that. And there's another part where they're like, now for Margot Robbie in a bathtub. Yeah. And like, oh, Series B. Something. <laughs> <in a> bathtub. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, that's yeah, a weird way to go. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it is. So you like that succession show because it's got most of that creative team, right? Uh, yeah, I, I, I genuinely do. I know I've been, like, bothering you every week about mm-hmm. it. Every week I like it a little bit more. Yeah. You full-blown said you liked it now, which is like, oh, okay, yeah. like, which is nice. Yeah. I saw uh, Sharp Objects yesterday, finally. Not, not, not the second episode. I'm going to watch that today. All right, cool. Um, I really loved it. Like, I really, really loved it. And it's one of those things where I know that it's incomplete, so there's, like, obviously some things about it I can't know if I like. like. But in terms of that dude's right. directing and stuff, I uh, – I don't know the opening scenes, man. Just those girls rollerblading down that hill up into the house. I mean, everything about it—the way the camera seemed to breathe—like I loved yeah. the way it was shot. Very, man. very hallucinatory. How the past and the present just keep colliding. With hypnotic. It's, it's a hypnotic thing, absolutely. Um, and you feel like you're kind of walking through a dream, is how I wanted yeah. to describe it. You know, uh, that that girl from It who plays young Amy Adams looks exactly like Amy Adams, and I never made that connection. Yeah, it's 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 now upsetting that Amy Adams is not playing the adult version of her, right? Like now it's like you know, no offense to Jessica Chastain, who I really like. I just yeah, come on, man, what's up? <laughs> Amy Adams is a way better actress, probably. I don't know, is she? Look, I mean, I like Jessica Chastain and Hollywood redheads. There's like only four of them. Uh, you got are there Bryce Dallas, <laughs> Amy Adams, Amy Adams, and more. Well, see, what are we ranking them on? Julianne Moore is like probably the well. She's the best one. Yeah, I would say in terms of acting, certainly. And but Amy Adams is right there. Like you know, then the other assholes. Scarlett Johansson has red hair for a day. By the way, I like that everyone fucking hates Scarlett Johansson right now. Like they're like you talk about like like we can't all agree on anything. Like you know, at the end of Watchmen, where like they have to get that giant like space octopus to fuck with people. Like Scarlett Johansson is our giant space octopus because we have all united. Our divided country right now. Seriously, man. You want to end the fucking Palestine-Israel thing, send ScarJo in there and she'll get it done, man. To be our scapegoat punching bag. I just couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe how much people hate her. And, you know, it's like she has a particularly bad uh, case of that because of uh, Ghost in the Shell as as well. Mm-hmm. That's a different one. Like the, the Hollywood uh, whitewashing of roles is usually fucking awful and terrible and shit, but at least I can make an argument from it from a um, producer standpoint, right? Yeah. Like, if I'm giving you $100 million, like, I need to know people will come see this movie. Like, you know what I mean? Put a bankable star who legitimizes the production or some unknown. Yeah. Now, the problem is this. Well, exactly. And that's the thing. So you understand it from the business perspective, but you also understand how fucked up it is from every other perspective, right? So it's just like Disney, like people are applauding Disney for doing this with Aladdin, right? People are all like, uh, well, Guy Ritchie is casting like Persian and, uh, you know, uh, like Arab people to be in the fucking movie. giving Guy Ritchie money. 
Well, beyond beyond giving that guy work, right? Because he does not deserve it. Him and McGeady to go away together. Um, beyond that, it's just like, why are we applauding Disney? Like Disney is the brand. Disney has already done the Jungle Book. Lion King is coming out. Like they are the brand. So you can cast unknowns in these fucking films. And yeah, they're going to do gangbuster fucking money. But you can't do that with some of this other shit. Like Ghost in the Shell may be revered by every fucking weird seventh grade anime fan, okay? But it's not on the same level in the States <laughs> to make $100 million back. And especially, I think that movie costs like $150 million to make, dude. So like that's not encouraging. Um, and it's one of those things where it's just like, yeah, we're applauding Disney for doing this shit, but like other people can't do it and expect the great result that they're going to. And so it puts the rest of Hollywood in a, in a tricky situation because above all, it's a business, right? So it's like, you got to make fucking money. Um, and sometimes doing what's right <laughs> and making money does happen, AKA Disney. And most of the time it doesn't. And that's the fucking problem. You know, I can't believe Disney doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. These fuckers have never done a right thing in their lives, man. Oh, man. <laughs> I said it. Fuck the Disneys, man. And whoever's the surviving Disney family, you're an asshole. I just need to throw that out there. Just for existing on this earth. Yeah. I mean, that's like our royal family. No, seriously, think about this, man. Like, we don't have royalty. We don't have the monarch here. But we have a yeah. giant fucking castle in, a, yeah. in a, like, a protected piece of swampland. Oh, like, wait, do they live up in there? Yeah, in Cinderella's castle? castle? Yeah, bro. They're just like, they're living up there. They got, like, fucking, like, lampshades coming down, doing their chores and stuff. Come on, man. Uh, they're like that shit's all based on the real lives or <laughs> something beauty and the beast which is an adaptation of something i don't know what um it, well yeah but but what is it originally like hunchback of notre dame that's the victor hugo novel like i can trace that fucking back but there's there's i think there's literally like a french uh folk tale or children's okay story. right on so that's what i'm talking about anderson-esque type okay of. right on cool that's my point so it's like some weird adaptation of that shit but it's all really based on the disney's upbringing you know the, the little disney's <laughs> they had like a lumiere fucking serve them tea and shit mrs oh. potts is running around shit like that man is that is that how they always got married they would like kidnap a woman and then just give her stockholm syndrome mm, it was the way of the family it's yeah. the way of the family. You have to keep them there six months, sometimes six years. But, you know, eventually they all say yes. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm That's, saying. So all of their movies are all autobiographical. And kidnapping fucking like, women. And like, yeah, not letting them talk or whatever. Hey, if you want to live here and be like a treated like a human, you can't talk. Can't talk. Not even to be treated like royalty, right? Like, that would be interesting. Like, if you want to live like royalty. Fucking lobster. <laughs> I don't want to hear about it. I don't think the lobster was the best friend. The lobster was more of like, uh, you know. He was more of like a father figure. A fatherly figure. Flounder was the fucking best friend. Like, Flounder's who you would kill to send a message. You know, you don't kill the old man. Why would you do that? But they do try to kill the lobster in that movie. And then the lobster (laughs) fights back. He avoids it. He evades capture and shit. A lot of mixed messages. Yeah. What is the message of that? I remember taking a sociology class in uh, college for the year that I was there. Nice. And a very liberal professor showed us a video like first week about how Disney movies are all sexist as fuck. Well, they are, man. But again, that's like a product of the time, right? So now again, we're like, go Disney. Let's pat ourselves on the back because they do like Brave. And uh, so, you know, which I've never even fucking seen, by the way. So I don't want to talk shit about it. But in terms of it's a female heroine, right? She's going around shooting shit. That's kind of cool. Um, right? What a bitch. Uh <laughs> She's a fictional character, Max. I can call her a bitch, okay? She's a redhead, and I don't like redheads. They freak me out. Except Amy Adams. She's wonderful. Um, 
I don't even know what I was saying. Sorry. Disney movies? Fuck them. I mean, what, what other Disney movies are there where they're sexist as fuck? Uh, there's Beauty and the Beast, because that's an abusive Stockholm whatever. Little Mermaid's the worst. Little the original Mermaid. version of Little Mermaid's fucking excruciating, which is like every moment that she was out of the water was like pain. Well, see, that'd be even more metal. She's just suffocating she's, the whole time. <laughs> she's getting married. She's just a long-form version of suffocation. <laughs> Blue and shit. Oh, my God. It's incredible. She's still really into it, though. She's and she can't she's talk. Really Remember, she still can't talk. Yeah. That's the fucking worst part of it. She's just like, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Do you take this man? She's like, <laughs> all right, I guess that means yes in her language. But all of those grim fairy tales are like really, they're grim. I know that's the name, the surname, but there's a reason they call them that. Witches trying to eat children. Yeah. I'm always rooting for the witches, man. I just, I fucking hate children, dude. I think they're the worst. If you trace back what is a witch, it's Uh just a puritanical fear of women uh, having their own agency. Is that all it was? Like, was there not witchy shit related? It's stories about women doing shit like, uh, okay, so you know the movie The Witch? Yeah, of course. Uh, Robert. Oh, okay, so like the opening, uh, one of the opening scenes is her grinding up a, an infant baby uh-huh. and uh, rubbing the baby guts on a broom and then masturbating with it and then flying off into the moon. They actually believed that witches did that back in the day. Nice. They, they were that afraid of females pleasuring themselves. Dude, that's metal as fuck. I'm sorry, witches are cool, man. When did we get all witch, uh, anti-witch, I guess is my real question. Well, like They probably saw like some like uh, old unmarried women just off in the village doing their own thing. And they're like kind of far off in the woods and not really coming to church that much. And they're like, what the fuck are they up to? They're all <laughs> getting together and hanging out. I don't like it. They're a witch. They're doing stuff to our babies. Yeah, Jesus. And it's like, dude, you live in the woods. There's wolves. Come on. <laughs> I'm sitting here thinking about... Uh, like if everything could be misunderstanding, because it's one of those things where it's just like if people were like, where the fuck are they going? I'm suspicious of them. Or if they actually caught them doing some shit. Like that's the difference. Like if you're acting suspicious, like that's one thing if you're like a witchy woman. There's like, there's a comic I love called uh, Harrow County. And it's all about uh, like the, the countless haints, right? The stories that have haunted the fucking hills for forever. And it's like this little girl's the protagonist and you find out that like 30 years before she was born, there was a woman in the community who was like a witch and they burned this bitch alive. Right. And it's terrible. It's like awful, but, but, but like, she's a witch in as much that they saw her like with kids in the river. Like they didn't do anything to these kids. Babies never went missing or anything. She was just weird and they didn't like that shit. (laughs) So they just called her a witch and they burned her. And that's my thing. It's like, well, she's acting suspiciously. Like if kids were going missing, you know what I mean? And like, that'd be one thing. But if they were literally just like, being weird you know what i mean yeah, like, that's just a conclusion that you're you're building an entire mythology to explain someone who you don't you don't know what they do in their spare time right or what if it's just like people were met like i assume during the salem witch trials that there were a lot of like rebuffed men like, who were like oh you don't want to fuck me witch like immediately probably. called her a witch dude Fucking probably dude i know and we're getting accused of being witches too sometimes. what see that's what that's that's what ended the witch uh well, craze yeah, is what was- happened to men they were just like oh, hold on wait, you mean i could also get burned um hey we made all wrong. of this up <laughs> i talked to god and he said uh witches are done there we burned them all we're good oh man dude i'm sorry you ever look back at history and all the injustices it's only an injustice when it happens to the white men and they're like what the fuck man yeah. like yeah god damn you know <sighs> us white men you know <laughs> 
<laughs> sorry, <laughs> I'm looping you into this. You fucking whitey. I'm sorry, man. You're, you're the big bad, you know? Like, we get to project everything onto your blank white fucking screen of a face, and I get to see whoever I need to see. <laughs> My blank white screen of a face. I it's mean, a fucking you know, movie theater, man. I look into your face. <laughs> Just broadcast movies onto my face from here on out. You won't be able to. Well, it's, only, it's only like Roots or something. It's always just something really like Apocalypto when Cortez is on that boat coming. You see that movie, man? Like how like the drums start pounding. You never seen Apocalypto? Never did. All right. Listen, at the very end, it's like, it's actually really, I love it. I love Apocalypto. Like motherfuck Mel Gibson's a horrible human being. I get that. It's a good movie. Braveheart at least. I love, yeah. Like what? Because there's none of that bullshit sentimentality, man. Like this fake he bullshit. Really himself as the Christ figure. Yeah, of course, man. It's like a masturbatory fucking movie. I loved that movie when I was a kid. I rewatched it and it was just like, oh, there are parts of it I still really like. Like, like in theory, like as life as life advice, which is like he marries that woman in the rain by a rock, and I'm like, fuck yeah, man. Marriage ain't about other people. Marry a woman by a rock, okay? That's all I want to do. I saw that movie. I'm like, Dolores, let me go find the biggest rock around here, and I'm gonna fucking marry you. Yeah, forget um, Italy, man. Just yeah, fuck it. Well, they got rocks over there too. Like that's the good news about Italy, but. Um, um, but you know, Mel Gibson, man, uh, fucking, it was cool that one part where a guy gets thrown off of a thing and he like gets impaled by a fucking pike. Yeah. Did you like that cool. part? That's the thing about that movie is that the only good parts are like, hey, remember that part when a guy got his head smooshed? Remember yeah. that part when a guy gets tar on him? Remember yeah. that part? Just like, remember that part when something horrifically violent happens. Mel Gibson's very good at horrific violence, and I'll give him that. What? Anything else? in that movie anyway oh, okay i was just like you never liked him i mean he was in that that coen brothers movie man he was really good in that movie oh wait i'm fucking this up i do this all the time i do the man with half like- no the man who wasn't there and the man with uh half uh, what's what's that movie called fuck he's good in that movie though yeah but he's good in that movie though man i don't know like did he play two did he play like a two-faced type yeah you haven't seen that movie i thought we saw that together did we not Remind, I mean, oh man, this is gonna change my whole fucking life. You stay, you, you carry this while I look up Melly Gibbs. <laughs> I mean, the thing about Mel Gibson is that you know he's had a weird career resurgence, and I don't really understand it, especially in the Me Too era. And I wonder, like, what is the, uh, you know, what's the radioactive half life of an accusation, like in this era now? Are people being accused now gonna be like kind of forgotten and come back into the fold in five or ten years? Yeah, there's a there's a football player, and this isn't like your purview, so I'll bring it back. But um, there's a football player named Ben Roethlisberger who's been around for like 14 years now, and he has twice been accused of some shit. But both of those accusations were like in 2007 and 2008, and like people are just saying the only reason that this motherfucker is like still playing is because that happened 10 years ago. Because the the quarterback for the Buccaneers is in trouble, and there's a lot of talk about like cut him. Like get him the fuck out of the league. Like he may have done something terrible, and it's 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 just interesting, man. The fucking um, you know, like the the double edged sword of that shit or whatever. Hold on, I'm gonna find it. I'm sorry because they don't have his shit under like a regular order. You know, like he's one of those guys who's like you got to go to his filmography page instead of his main page. <clears throat> um, I don't know, man. Mel Gibson. I'm gonna edit this. Don't worry. I don't know what time we're at, but I'll I'll take it out. We've been going for a while. I feel we like. have, yeah. We can wrap it up soon. I was trying to find a laugh line at some point, but um, I mean, you know, why don't I just help in Mel Gibson, man with half a face? I don't know why I'm doing this the hard way. 
was it like a period piece? Uh, sort of. Yeah. I think it's like set in the sixties or something. It's a 1993 movie. Oh, oh, he directed it too. Well, that makes more sense. It's called the man without a face. The man without a face. Mm-hmm. And he saw this. Yeah. I think I saw it. Like I was, I remember I have this distinct memory of being in your house and seeing him with half a face and being like, what the fuck, man? Like that's Did we maybe just not watch the whole thing. I don't think we saw the whole thing. Yeah. I, I've seen it later in life, but I remember the first time I ever saw it was kind of with you. But oh man, look at fucked up Mel Gibson. <laughs> okay. Well, dude, see, the other thing about that motherfucker is that like he hasn't been hurting. Like, keep this in mind. Dude's worth like four hundred million dollars. Okay. Like, yeah. and that's like, all right. We were talking about Johnny Depp making like what six hundred million over his fucking career, but he's like a bona fide movie star who had franchises. Lethal Weapon ain't making a billy at the box office, okay? So the fact that Mel Gibson has four hundred million, sometimes so. you think that's that TNT money? That's what's up, right? Ted pays him personally. He's like, Mel, here's a check, and it's, uh, you know, for the entirety of the fucking Turner's still fucking around, or is why not? Didn't he want to color the moon or something? Wasn't that like his his moonshot? He's like an insane person. Is he? Is he really? I Can he be insane for the right reasons? Can he like? Wasn't there like a like a robot chicken bit where he was Captain America? He was just zip lining and punching people in the face because he yeah, couldn't. and I think he like jumps out of a a window. He's like, "I'm Captain Planet," and then he dies because he, he can't fly. Dies. Yeah, <laughs> no, but that's the thing. Like Mel Gibson hasn't fucking worked like really in years. I mean, Hacksaw Ridge he directed it, right? He was in The Beaver, but that was like uh, get the Gringo. Yeah, well, that doesn't count, does it? Is that a real movie? I mean, he was in it. <laughs> doesn't make it real he makes all <laughs> kinds of movies <laughs> if mel gibson releases a movie and no one sees it does it make it real <laughs> that's that is like the question that drives men mad <laughs> it's for more brilliant men than you and i <laughs> philosophers have been debating that very question for years it's like that formula in goodwill hunting yeah it's gonna take like a matt damon super genius janitor to does it. it in one second uh, <laughs> god damn cool, it but i love it it's the best man fuck you sean fuck you it's my favorite line of the whole movie man. it's not your fault fuck you it's not your fault. <laughs> hey, it's not your fault. Like, yeah yeah i know it's not my fault it's not your fault no but see listen i think we're ready for that sequel because as you know <laughs> fucking robin williams it's faked his death <laughs> he's been he's been running around fucking last scene with i don't know who saw him earlier but, how much uh, would people freak out if robin williams just showed up in a new movie like well shelly duvall has been trying to fucking warn us for years man like dr phil is not nearly as big an asshole in the headline the next day shelly duvall declared not insane most ins- most sane woman alive i just told you her being all like fucked up looking indignant as fuck but still fucked up like not lucid at all man oh, poor shelly yeah that's a so it's like Kubrick, right? Exactly, because you can't think of Shelley Duvall like she was in Popeye. She was in plenty of other things, but we can yeah, only she was like think doing one woman shows. And oh shit, no, like, man! We prolific. can only think about how that fucking asshole abused her, man. And that's the thing. I love Kubrick. I saw a video of Kubrick, who's notorious. He doesn't do interviews and shit. But I guess for like the nineteen ninety eight Baftas or something, he did. Uh, he did uh, like a, an acceptance speech, and it was pre recorded on video. And he's just like the most like. Everyone who knows that directing a film is the most exciting thing in the world. And he's not even British, by the way. He's from the Bronx, but he has that voice for some reason. And it's just like, he's such a mild-mannered guy that then when you think about, like, again, again, just screaming yeah. at Shelley Duvall, you're like, again, oh, Shelley, again. 
Again, you're not getting there. <laughs> her hair is literally falling out. There's a yeah. part of that documentary for The Shining where she's like pulling out clumps of hair. I love that. Like, I haven't slept in days. <laughs> like, all right, I need take 102. We're gonna get it this time. You know, but it's good to know that it wasn't a sexist thing. I heard he did the same thing to Sidney Pollock for Eyes Wide Shut. That there's a scene where he uh, he's playing pool and then he has to go answer the door, and Kubrick yeah. made him do it 217 times. And, and I'm that's like, like a respected director. Yeah, I was like, Sidney Pollock is like Sidney fucking Pollock, okay? Like, he, he, he means something in the business. Fuck. I think Kubrick was just bored. I think we need to make a documentary about Kubrick, but it's only about his didn't give a fuck moments. Just him being an asshole. Yeah, man. I would love to see that. Like, every time he gave no fucks and we just spotlight it, we interview the people. So we would have to interview a fucking, you know, dementia-riddled Shelley Duvall. Um, but I think she's game, dude. I think she's game. I think she- ready for anyone <laughs> i think she's dead actually <laughs> wait is she alive even <laughs> like i don't know man yeah. she's gotta be i hope so she's gotta be insanity keeps people alive way longer i hear it's really <laughs> <laughs> man uh what a weird fucking lady anyway Everything he 